Welcome to Spectrum Sundays. I am Francesca D'Alessandro, a speech-language pathologist in New York City, empowering my community through AND and Awareness for Neurodiversity. And I am Megan Sinisi, Miss Pennsylvania 2021, a speech-language pathologist and the founder of a nonprofit organization for autism titled From a New Perspective. Everyone deserves to feel accepted and included in every space they walk in. Our series aims to inspire you to advocate for yourself and on behalf of your loved ones. And we are so grateful that you're here with us today. Dimera Baker is a seasoned businesswoman and lifelong creative spirit with a heart of help for helping others. Co-founder of the Northwest Arkansas Community Creative Center in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and a champion for Women's Foundation of Arkansas, Dimera knew immediately that a social enterprise like Rock and Baker would be a powerful multiplier for the community, using something as humble as a rustic loaf of sourdough bread as a catalyst for empowering the disadvantaged, breaking the cycle of poverty, and paying forward the gifts of self-sufficiency and fulfillment. Rock and Baker is currently run 100% by neurodiverse team, producing high quality artisan bread for leading restaurants in Northwest Arkansas. So Daimara, it is so nice to have you back with us today. We learned a lot about you as an employer and we wanted to talk more about success within your business and what you may consider success to be. So as therapists, we often choose goals that ensure that our clients will experience success, whatever that means to them. How do you personally define success within your company? And then how do you support your employees in their individual journey to success? Well, thank you for having me back. And uh, I don't know how to summarize all the successes that we have with Rockin' Baker. I mean, I think I'm running out of fingers in my hand and I, I couldn't be more proud of that. <laughs> um, for me, success is really seeing them gaining that confidence and self-esteem that they lack when they join our company from day one. I could see it, the way that they talk, the way that they behave, and how much they can do. So it's that kind of almost like a transformation when they join the bakery, and then you see this person growing. And at the same time, you can see how they begin standing straighter and taller, because you can see that part of the confidence kinking in, especially when they have been told so many times, you cannot do that. No, that's not possible, or whatever excuses they might get. And then they, they begin to realize themselves how much really they can do. And sometimes it's just really giving them a safe environment to develop those skills and let them grow at the pace that they need because not all of them can grow at the same pace. So it's just being flexible. So for me, success is, as I said, is someone who walked in lacking all of those confidence, self-esteem, and everything that they don't speak that much. And then when here you see a new person that is beginning to talk to you a little more and sometimes even telling you what to do. For me, that's success. Well, Rock and Baker, like you have previously mentioned, is currently run by a 100% neurodiverse uh, team. And it's really amazing to hear you talk about the transformation of your cadets and helping them become leaders within their own community. And so far, a few of your cadets have been promoted to manage it, management positions 
So could you explain a little bit more how you've helped them along that process? And in our previous episode, you even said how sometimes feedback styles can be different, especially in those management positions. Could you maybe expand a little bit more on that? Yes, so, the, so what I have done or what we have done with them is we try to almost think the way that they think in that way, we can develop the tools to facilitate that transformation taking place. And uh, yes, we have two of the uh, cadets who became managers. One is the production manager and the bakery manager. And what we did, we created a tool in uh, Excel so that he can manage all the wholesale accounts. So he's really managing the inventory, the production and everything. And then that tool, helps him get everything and give the instruction to the rest of the team in a very clear way so that they can follow that one. Um, so as you can see that you have to think differently when you work with them and you just have to be able to adapt and try to reinforce those uh, skills that they have been learning because sometimes it's repetition and they need to be able to continue doing that one over and over. And also I would say the main one, and I think that's common to anyone, is that fear of making mistakes. It is more than fine to make the mistake because that means that you're a creator. Joaquin, who is my production manager, is beside he's being so talented, he's a quite funny person. He will tell you that when he he's so creative that when he thinks he has made all the mistakes possible, he comes back with a new one. So then we have to figure out how to do that. But he knows that he's not going to get in trouble by making those mistakes. And the rest of the team see that. So that gives them also the confidence that you have here this production manager making mistakes and not being penalized by making those mistakes that also indirectly you're giving them that little push because the owner said, well, if he can do that, then that means that I can also do it. So now I have another cadet who is willing to learn what Joaquin is doing just by trying to replicate what he's seeing up there. So I think it's just almost like this, this exponential effect of having someone succeed and how, how the other ones in the team can see themselves also succeed in the same way. And I think that is where representation really does matter as well, because it is one thing to aspire to a role model who you see doing what you love and you want to emulate that. But it's another level when you see someone who has faced the same challenges you have, maybe even has the same diagnosis you have, achieving the things you want to achieve, and you work directly with that person as a mentor. So that is really beautiful what you're doing and what you're creating in your community. Yes. And I agree, Fran, not only just representation, but just that comforting space to make mistakes and learn from them. Dimera, you reference Rock and Baker as a training platform and a place of equilibrium. And I think that that's a perfect example of, of how people can maybe have their first employment opportunity and have that safe space to make mistakes and learn the do's and don'ts about the workplace. And then that way in, in the long term, they, they had that time to figure it out and know why these things 
mistakes, we'll call them, but things that maybe didn't go quite as planned, why those things or how you can avoid those things in the future. And that just is a skill in its own to just be able to make a mistake and learn from it. So in what other ways do you think Rock and Baker serves as a training platform for your employees? Uh, as I said, you know, this is a commercial bakery. So when we talk about equilibrium, it's not only equilibrium among the team, but it's also the equilibrium of being a training ground for them while also producing high quality product for the restaurant. So that's a huge equilibrium. It's very complex operations. So that's another, um, that's kind of another set that they learn is I can be here in a place that is very complex. It can be quite demanding. Sometimes the pace can be very fast and sometimes uh, the quality, not sometimes, most of the time, the quality have to be up there. Uh, so how themselves have to find that equilibrium to say, okay, today I know that I have to give my best because this is what we have to do. And how do we, how do we stay open when someone in our team is having a bad day uh, so that they can support each other? So they can say, hey, before you break down, what about if you go out and take a little break and then you come back because if not as a team we're going all of us are going to pay the consequences of that so that's you can see how by knowing what they're going through and by teaching them this is not only you what you have been going through one of your team members can also be going through that and that makes also them a little more aware and more sensitive and in in the long term, they become they become better team members because they are kind of watching for each other. And I see that's another way to keep that equilibrium going, because they know that one member is down, it can bring the whole team down. It actually almost reminds me of playing on a sports team, and everyone has a specific role and job, and they're there to support each other. And it's really amazing that they have the awareness of not only themselves, but of others to recognize this person is uh, maybe not okay today and they might need a little extra support. And you are not always that person who uh, will be there. So they take that responsibility and say, can I do something to help? And that is amazing. That is so important. Uh, and actually, this is a really good segue into the next question we really had planned and wanted to know more about, which is the types of strategy supports or accommodations that you provide your staff. Uh, and this can be from scheduling accommodations to maybe even adaptive equipment in the workspace. So how have you so far accommodated the different neurodiverse staff that you employ? I would say sometimes there is this misconception that as an employer, well, at least that's my experience, that you have to accommodate so much. Honestly, these accommodations are more than possible or feasible. Uh, yes, yeah, sometimes I have to accommodate because one of the things, most of them, they cannot drive. So I have to accommodate around that. And that means that the work schedule have to be around because somebody has to drive them to come to work. We are in an area that sometimes you cannot really depend on public transportation wide enough to, for them to become uh, independent. So that's one of the things is knowing if they can not drive, how do we accommodate the work schedule for that? 
for those who can drive, they begin the early shift. And then they also, because as I said, and now I've been told what to do. So they're also doing their own scheduling themselves. So they talk to each other. I say, okay, I know that your parents work. This is the earliest that they can bring you to work. Who else can be early to do the work that we need to be done? And they just figured it out. So, but you think about it, is almost that accommodation of really understand their needs and trying to make it work. Uh, for example, we had, uh, we have to produce all of these items. It's very complex with the different ingredients and type of bread that we have to do. So we created a tool to facilitate that one because there is nothing out there in the system for them. So we just make it possible and we train them in Excel. We were not expecting them to become expert in Excel because that wasn't the goal. We wanted them to learn what they needed to make this one work. And that's what we did. So we just provided training and we were there behind when they had questions, when something didn't work. It's just kind of the timing and creating the right tools for them to succeed. So it is feasible. It's not like they're asking for the moon. That's not the case. I mean, that's never been the case for me. So it's totally feasible. Uh, you just have to be able to talk to them and make them feel comfortable that these accommodations are, are fine. It's, they're not demanding. It's just to make it work as a team. We just have to adapt. I think that is very reassuring for a lot of employers out there who are afraid to take that step in hiring neurodivergent individuals. Um, and I think those words of wisdom will go a long way in our communities. Thank you for sharing. Oh, you're welcome. Yes. And I think when you were sharing about transportation, it really boils down to collaboration with your staff and having a better understanding of the world that they come from. And I think one that makes an employer more empathetic toward their staff and knowing how to support them as a leader. Um, but I, th I think that what that brought up in my mind is when I'm looking for different job opportunities, I remember seeing those bullet points must have reliable transportation. So I think about neurodiverse employees seeking work. And if they see that bullet point, they might totally take themselves out of even applying for that position. So if more employers may look at the, the big scale of expectations in their company and how they can collaborate with a neurodivergent team so that it can be more accessible to them, especially if they're an employer seeking that type of inclusiveness, which I hope that we can all be striving toward that as a goal in the workplace. But beyond those recommendations, what types of neurodiverse organizations or resources would you recommend for maybe a listener who is trying to hire more neurodivergent staff? Who might you recommend that they can look toward for more advice about how to make an inclusive workplace? I would say, or, or I would believe that almost every city has some type of organization working with them. Here locally, we have, for example, the Arkansas Support Network. And at the beginning, when I was doing this, uh, I rely on them a lot to give me the support that I needed. And at that time, yes, we had uh, kind of job uh, coaches coming to the bakery because I wasn't totally comfortable about what I was doing. Uh, so I bet in every city you have organizations like that providing that type of support. And it is really amazing how many employers don't know about those resources available. So really it's taking a little more of the time to do your research and trying to find 
what organization is in your area that is already providing the support to them and try to figure out how to make it work. Uh, for example, in, in our case, when they come to me, I really want them to become independent. So that means that you have to be able to facilitate that training at the beginning, almost on a one-on-one -on -one, so that they become confident in the job that needs to be done. And then they can be led by themselves, most of the time by themselves to do the, whatever is needed to be done. But at the beginning, you have to invest. But sometimes if you partner with another organization, they can make you that learning curve a little shorter because they're going to bring so much knowledge and experience and they're, they're more than willing to share that with you. So as I said, you just have to be willing to look out and do a little research, identify them and bring them to your organization as a supporting uh, team that it can be there along with you. That is some great advice. And the last question we have today before our lightning round is for those who have no experience working with the neurodiverse community or are neurotypical, what is way, one way they can practice inclusion when meeting someone who is neurodivergent? Um, I would say one of the thing is, I think it's human nature. We're trying to judge too quickly when somebody is in front of you. And my first advice is, Yes, you're going to judge, but think twice and trying to really see what this person is saying to you in different ways. And that's one way to talk about inclusive. There are so many ways to be different than you. And then if you begin accepting the white pool of people different out there, you begin to see them in a different uh, view. So I would say in that case, just read a little more understand a little more about the needs, the differences. And that's when you begin thinking about how can I relate to them in a different way that is more meaningful and to make them more welcome in our community. Exactly. And I think there's a lot of value in being immersed in diversity. Not only can you learn from them, but they can learn from you. Um, and I think that having a neurodiverse workplace, especially you learn how other people operate, you have a better understanding of different skill sets and how they might be of value or might help you think about different things that you may need to improve upon in your own skill set as well. So I think that that's, that's great advice for practicing inclusion. So Dimera, we would love to enter our rapid fire round. It's just a fun segment where our audience gets to know a little bit more about you. Um, so if you wanna answer each question with a few words or just um, a, a short sentence, we're just here to have some fun. So okay. what is your favorite baked good or what recommendation would you have on Brock and Baker's menu? Oh my gosh, that is a little hard. Uh, I have to say that our Amigo sourdough is my favorite one. It's kind of the right balance of cheeses with the jalapeno that give you the right kick. But sometimes uh, when our cadets, um, they have to come up with a flavor of the week. And sometimes it can be a little mistake. So we, uh, we can be quite surprised that those mistakes can be so delicious that it can make my amigo sourdough kind of going down the list because they're so good that we call those our happy mistakes. 
Oh, I love that. And it is often those weird ingredients together that end up being really good. <laughs> yes. I am definitely going to be trying that because I love spicy food. It can't go anywhere without hot sauce. So <laughs> I'll be definitely trying that out. Um, and what do you do to wind down or just to do for fun in your free time? Well, I have to say that what I love to do for fun, there are three things that for me are so critical. One, I love to spend time with my really good friends. Number two, I love good food. Three, I love to throw theme parties. So imagine when I combine those three, uh, we end up with the most fun, most delicious party that you can ever imagine. So it's like a flamenco party. Everybody has to go out and research and bring dishes related to the flamenco area, drinks related to that one with up like in flamenco. And it's just, you know, really a good time and enjoy the food and the company and everything. Oh my gosh, I need to try this immediately. That sounds like so much fun. <laughs> nice way to wind down and de-stress from a week, I'm sure. Um, what is your favorite place to visit in Arkansas? Oh, this is such a beautiful area. I was quite surprised when I came here. Now we have one of the most beautiful museums, uh, Crystal Bridges Museum is uh, kind of the top leading museum in uh, modern art. Uh, so it's really um, quite special because you have all of these outdoor areas. So you, um, Crystal Bridges kind of brings, allows me to have my creativity be nourished when I go there. And also all the outdoor areas with all the trails and everything allows me to be out there and kind of find the right balance of the beauty that is inside the building with the natural beauty of being outside in the outdoor. That's amazing. I'll have to come out and visit one day whenever I'm um, west from New York. And, and you didn't mention at all that you really like to watch TV or anything, but I'm wondering uh, if you do watch Netflix or Hulu or any streaming service, what is on your watch list? Is it bad to say that I don't have anything in my watch list? <laughs> no, I go and I just go with the mood and whatever I feel like some days I'm feeling like I want to watch a foreign movie sometimes something silly sometimes a little more documentary I don't know I just go with the mood and I don't really want to have anything in my watch list what's the last movie that you watched oh uh, well it was really one um about this musician in Turkey and it was a beautiful movie so Today was a foreign movie kind of move for me. Gotcha. <laughs> and what person would you like to give a shout out today? Oh, I would say that person would be anyone who is out there being told so many times, you cannot do this. It is not possible. Um, maybe you shouldn't discuss claim your disability because you're not going to get hired. Um, I just want them to know that they have to be proud of who they are as a whole person. And if somebody doesn't want to give them a chance as a company, blame on them. It is not you uh, because you deserve more than that. And I just want them to know that I hope that there are more organizations like our company that is totally open to give them because we value and see so much all the talents that they can offer. 
Well, we really enjoyed our conversations today and it really shows how kind and empathetic of a person you are through our conversation. You are such a beautiful person inside and out who is very resilient and flexible and adaptable. And I think that is exactly the culture you're creating in your community. And it's going to have a ripple effect everywhere. I'm really excited for everyone to listen to this episode. So thank you so much for visiting with us on Spectrum Sundays today. If you, you. Of course, if you enjoyed this episode and would like to learn more about Rock and Baker, please check out rockandbaker.org. You can also find Rock and Baker on Facebook at facebook.com slash rockandbaker and on Instagram at rockandbaker. For inquiries, you can email hello at rockandbaker.org. Thank you, everyone, and we will see you next Sunday. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Spectrum Sundays. We are your hosts, Francesca D'Alessandro and Miss Pennsylvania 2021, Megan Sinisi. Please make sure to subscribe to our series and follow us on social media to stay connected to neurodiverse professionals and self-advocates. And remember, true impact is accomplished through active listening and exploring the world through a variety of perspectives. Join us next week on Spectrum Sundays to cultivate a community of appreciation and acceptance around neurodiversity. Thank you.